The opinions expressed in the following are those of its participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the producers and the Six Talk Podcast Network. Also, the following contains mature material and mild language, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Discretion is advised. This is the Anime Roundtable Canada presented by Anime North. You can contact us via email animeroundtable at gmail.com, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Anime Roundtable, and on the web, animeroundtable.com. always in a little bit of trouble what do you do well for starters he's late james at least uh, at least uh, gave gave an absence notice to me so you know he, he's excused uh, this evening well i was late too in a way yes i know but you're here amy Hello. welcome back thank you so once again, much like last week, we're starting short. Oh yes, and we're meeting quota for the first time in a quarter. <laughs> it's great. That is good. Honestly. Yeah, this, is, this is a good sign because we 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 did one episode, one space heater in June. Didn't bother in July. Uh, well, you were just you know a mix of sick and busy. Yeah, mix of sick and busy. I mentioned that last time. And then one thing in August, and then Anime Toronto happened, and then Busy. Yeah, lucky. Lucky before the... Uh, we're in the middle of September, and we're able to do two recordings. Sunday evening, September 17th, 2023, for episode 84. We're saying Sunday evening now, instead of Sunday afternoon. Anyway, and we wanted to, we were trying to figure out where to start, especially since uh, Mo's not here yet. We know where we want to go, where we're going to spend most of the time this evening. But how to get there? Do we really get there first or do we wait a little bit i think we now have with mo not here uh, we'll have to wait a little bit i will test i will send a text saying where is he hopefully he makes it well, hopefully he makes it tonight otherwise uh we'll have conversation before we get, before we get into um you know all these weird flesh-based actors um i guess all flesh actors are actor. flesh-based um even voice actors um but since you know uh, I haven't been on since the summer. I did want to mention, like, I watched more actual anime this summer than I maybe have watched anime in the last, like, two years, maybe three years combined. Oh, wow. Um, a lot of it was binging. Like, it's still not all that much. Like, to be honest, I'm I'm still um, probably watching more Western cartoons um, and, like, science fiction series like the Star Treks. But 
um, between June and um, August, I guess, um, I watched the latest season, I guess the final season of Mob Psycho. Um, I somehow remembered and discovered that the um, there was a season and a special of Dr. Stone I hadn't seen. So that was amazing. <clears throat> um, I also watched um, all of Spy X Family or Spy Family, whatever it's called. Um, I usually keep the X silent when it's in the middle. Yeah, I'm told that the X is silent. Yeah, like, because I, know, I know Hunter Hunter is just Hunter Hunter. Yeah. And then there's uh, Gunsword, which is an anime from the mid 2000s where I've heard like for, for ads for it, they didn't pronounce the X either. Um, so I watched all of Spy Family, um, which was very cute. Um, and then all throughout most of this time, I had been trying to like really watch um, Gundam, Witch from Mercury. But whenever I was about mm. to sit down and watch it, another anime would like <laughs> distract me or like, yeah, I, I don't really want to watch Gundam. Um, I'm just, you know, been taunted by all the, you know, sapphic lesbian stuff on Tumblr and Twitter. Um, <laughs> so, you know, but I kept, okay, so I'm going to watch Gundam. I have heard good things about Odd Taxi. So I watched all of Odd Taxi and looked up what the movie ending was. Um, <laughs> and then what was the last one? Like I, I did go through um, the Gundam. I didn't watch any of the specials, but I watched the the main um, Gundam Witch from Mercury series, um, which was good. Um, and I feel like maybe there's one more in there. But again, it was, it was a lot of binging um, and a lot of like, <clears throat> like, watching like an entire series like in the matter of like two days or at least the season um i think odd taxi i might have done in one day um good for you but, but it was good for you everything was relatively high quality which was nice i mean dr stone was still my favorite um but I yeah that makes I, sense. I enjoyed everything See, I, i'm more pat i'm still patting myself on the back for at least finishing something when i watched when I watched Physical 100 with a friend, Physical 100, the, yeah, the uh, the reality show, the Korean reality show, right? Oh, that was that was that was the one thing I'm I was proud of watching, mind you. I was sick while watching a good chunk of it. I just thought you watched the um, CW's The Hundred, um, but oh. physical media instead oh, of streaming. Oh. <laughs> well, where do we go there? Uh, I know you haven't listened to the to episode eighty three yet, last week's episode, Amy. No. But um, we're talking. Yeah, you know that we were talking anime Toronto. Yeah. So it's it's yeah. really interesting. Is this their? Do they run three small conventions now? Like, are the equivalent DTAC and MTAC still in existence, or is one of them canceled, replaced with this summer one? It, I think we're talking a bunch of different things here. I mean, the one, like, we know, we know them, like, this is the group that, this is from the group that runs Anime Revolution, and Anime Revo. Oh, in, so this uh, is a separate one. Yeah, Anime oh, now, Revo. So now there's the Fanex will run things, this one, and IFF? Well, this one was IFF. They oh, they rebranded. Oh, God, yeah. Okay, so yeah, I, I care even less now. Interesting. Mm -hmm. um. so, <laughs> yeah, branding. Uh, it's a thing and confusing. Yeah, th I mean, this name is better than IFF, like, because IFF is um, disingenuous, because from what I gathered, it was pretty much um, just Japanese media-based things, right? Mm -hmm. Like anime and some 
assorted VTuber video game stuff as well. Yeah, it's basically just an anime con. Yeah, yeah, that's one way to put it. I mean, I mean, Kevin kind of hint, uh, went through his thoughts last week at length. Well, we all did actually. <laughs> I think my my main takeaway from not going. Um, is that, you know, I do have um, friends, um, you know, former colleagues who um, had tables in the artist alley and they seem to have a prosperous time or at least decently prosperous. Um, at least no huge complaints there, which is a good wow. sign from an artist perspective. That might be one of the more positive ones then. That's contrary to what I've heard. But then uh, obviously when you have a vocal echo chamber in a discord server that can amplify <laughs> things yeah and i think i made my feelings known it was i kept my bar realistic uh, which is to say maybe low cynically uh, a positive way of saying fairly low but by and large for what it was and for what uh, i was expecting from it and not being able to see have the time to see it i enjoyed it Mm -hmm. the type of time i uh, most people would most regular con goers would look i think uh i got into a conversation with a couple of friends who are closer to my age and you can and uh listeners out there try to guess that <laughs> 57 um <laughs> well we're well we're we'll get there eventually <laughs> but we were talking about how these things are for people who are getting older. And this is our the way our generation of fandom or the fandom that probably really got got this whole thing really started in the 90s and the aughts. This is where we are now. Many of us have become many of us have become career people. Many of us have become parents maybe passing down our fandom to our kids. But do we have the energy to do these type of things anymore? And can, or can we um, really prioritize it this way anymore? I guess sometimes it, sometimes it's ages. It can, you can say an age is only a number argument, but I, I, I there's a part of me wondering you know, we, you only have at this point in your life the type of energy, patience, whatever, for it now. And sometimes fandom has evolved to a point, maybe it's certainly quite different to what you, uh, what it was to you when you got into it. And it makes you wonder how much has passed, by, passed you by. You accept it. I mean, I, I mean, it's just a whole load of mixed feelings because, you know, it, I, I made the joke at Anime North. I feel old, and I make that. And then this time around, it's a little bit more in earnest when I say I feel old. So I, so I don't know exactly how to feel about it. Uh, like, what type of feelings should be considered normal at my age, right? Was was the convention much like um, the IFF um, of the past? I forget if they did one or two years, but was it still like relatively um, guest and like concert or special event focused or did they try to diversify? 
Yes, minus the live action concert. Okay. I say live action concert because uh, Hololive did bring two guests, or they or they beamed two guests into the con. Uh, one being Reine and the other one being Kiara, and uh, they did do a mini concert during their panel. So, uh, that was a good time, according to one of my friends who did go to that. And once again, harping on me being uh, me not understanding the whole you know the whole VTuber thing, right? You respect uh, from my standpoint. Cool, I respect it's, it if not fully understand it. It's not you know it's pretty simple. It's just uh, it's just people who are hooked up to like we're hooked up to some computers, and then they have their. Uh, anime models generated by people as well. So when they move, the character on the screen moves too. Sort of. It's it's streaming plus anime marketing from what yep. I can gather. Like it's what has been popular with live streams and Let's Plays, but now companies and individuals can sell merchandise of their cute or cool anime character avatars, which, you know, it's a cool concept. Like I'm definitely like not into that world but like you know it's i think it's interesting it's very not science fiction but i like that we're in this world it's kind of neat it's like oh it's cute that that's where we are as far as um things that people are into like it's the um you know macross or um, yeah i was about to say macross the macross reference and i was saying you know we we should embrace and obviously we watched the idea that it could happen so and and got into that and now that a version of it is we're not we're on the side that is just confused uh, some of us are on the side where we're kind of confused and maybe overwhelmed by it but not um, certainly not really into it but we understood it was coming i'm i'm definitely overwhelmed by its popularity but i felt the same way when homestuck was at anime north right like oh, wow. you know i i felt a little bit the same way <clears throat> with my little pony although i w- was sort of watching that so but like you know there are always um you know things that burst or boom and then sometimes they burst sometimes they don't um one thing i do really I'm- like about the the vtuber movement is that it does allow um for people to get um i guess a a element of being a celebrity or um lets uh more introverted people um have a spotlight without as much um you know paparazzi um invasion of personal life um type of thing i think that is a really cool possibility like i'm i'm sure that there are stalkers in this world right um <clears throat> i'm not naive enough to think that there aren't but I do really like that, um, you know, it adds a little bit of anonymity um, to the process and makes, you know, the idea, um, you know, the whole world a little bit more accessible to um, more potential people. It, it takes away um, physical beauty standards a little bit. I'm sure most of them are, are still, you know, attractive people. But um, it, it, yeah, it, it's inspiring in that way for sure. Um, and you know, like um, in the YouTube space, there's, I'm prob- I've probably mentioned this, like there's the the puppet Arlo um, who does video game reviews, that kind of thing. And he's like a blue Muppet guy. And 
it's amazing. Like there aren't a lot of like hit pieces of people trying to like discover his, you know, puppeteer's identity or something for like, for the internet. It's like, no, Arlo's a Muppet. Like, you know, no one's, you know, going out to try to find who's currently, you know, Muppeteering Kermit. I mean, all that information's out there, but like, you know, it doesn't matter. Like the, the person we like is Arlo. And I kind of see that with the VTubers, like the people that these audience like, you know, it's a bit, yeah, and even with Arlo, it's like a blurred line. Like they they are their their avatar, but there's this layer, and I, I find that layer really fascinating. Hmm. Anonymity, celebrity anonymity, right? Yeah, that's no way to put it. It's weird. It's a. It sounds contra. It sounds contradictory, but plausible here. And I thought, okay, that's that's a good way, interesting way to put it. Maybe it's just me not having the time to watch and making my judgment based on what little I've seen. Yeah, and like I'm, I'm definitely not saying like I'm going to get into it. I just find it like you know, if in another life, if I had you know stuck with um, fine arts and took a research path or something, like I would love to make this a focus like that. It's it's such a cool phenomenon. Um, oh yeah, I just, I, guess. I just you know, kind of as you said, with getting older. Um, I mean, I've you know, definitely not hid how much I love Anime North, um, you know, and, you know, plugging them, I guess. I do think that, you know, again, diversity is their strength. Like, they have so many activities and, you know, they still have Beyblade tournaments, at least as of last year. They have, like, <laughs> yeah, DDR, they have crafts, they have, um, you know, sent, not quite sports events, but, you know, they have aerialist things sometimes. Um you know, they had battle bots or something, I think, last year. Um, you know, plus all like the, you know, like I, IFF or Anime Toronto is probably never going to have like your Pokemon cooking class panel or um, what is anime's strongest tree or the the cool, like, you know, quirky type things, or at least they'll have less of it than Anime North um, does. Um, but, you know, for the opposite, like Anime North, probably isn't going to have those, you know, popular Japanese guests or as many concerts. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I think, okay, I'm going to put that yes or no to you. Cause I, <laughs> cause when James and I were talking about some of it, I did put it to him and Kevin kind of hinted it. So, I, so I'll ask him to almost update his feelings on this. Yes or no. Anime Toronto has the potential to let anime north off the hook and let fan expo to some degree off the hook over the things they lack that fandom wants yes like the industry stuff especially the industry stuff yes because you know the, the people the, that's been one of the main criticisms of something like anime north they're maybe not whether or not they're in the in a position to offer that is almost irrelevant because people still feel that way the excuses, the reasons are valid, whatever they are. They might be, they, it's entirely possible those reasons are valid. But that still doesn't stop the criticism, right? So yeah, so you say yeah. So short answer is yes, because that was the question you almost brought up uh, back in 2019, Kevin, right? Mm -hmm. And so I want to ask again, what, how many years later? Five, four <laughs> years later? Same thing. Amy? Yeah, and I think it's, I, I mean, I guess my answer is yes as well. And I think it's a good idea um, because I think that 
uh, they'll probably, it'll reduce, I mean, there's always going to be people complaining. Um, but if that sort of thing exists in, in Toronto, it, it should, or ideally will reduce some of those complaints, aside from the people who do want to get everything done all in one weekend. Um, but realistically, if you're waiting in two hour lineups for an autograph, you're not going to be able to do, you know, the you yeah, know all tracks. that many things. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I, but ideally, it, you know, reduces some of that because if, if what you're in for really is those, you know, autographs and um, those um, like sort of celebrity panels uh, that Anime North um, isn't and probably wouldn't at least focus on, like, you know, it's not saying they've never done any of these things because they do, but it's it's not a focus. Like Anime North is a very unfocused convention, and I think that's one of its strengths. Um, but because of that, it's not going to give a lot of people what they want. Um, so yeah, great. Um, and that means Fan Expo can, you know, maybe do a little bit less anime programming. They're probably never going to do zero because um, there's always going to be crossover with those bigger you know video game voice actor guests and you know the animation uh guests and and things like that but um yeah i mean sounds good for everyone if as long as all can be successful it sounds like they can coexist pretty nicely yeah the one i think i guess i want to bring up also before and then we'll start moving on is how does the fandom in Toronto react to that? Because they've gone all these years with Anime North. That's all, the, uh, by and large, that's the only thing they've ever known. And then this, this, and then Anime Toronto comes along. So the way they, like, as much as we say we want it, we want it, we want it, and then it comes, and then maybe sometimes you get confused as to how to feel about it. Kind of like, kind of like a, kind of like a VTubers with me. <laughs> I think it's, I mean, if anyone here, um, actually, no, you, you all have, have younger relatives as well. Um, and I'm like, oh, if anyone here, like I have the most exposure to, you know, the next crop of anime fans as, as working in education. Um, but like, I'm not asking him what, well, Hey, what do you like about anime conventions? Um, maybe I should, it's not that invasive a question. Um, but like, you know, I think it's a wait and see type of thing um, because I th I feel that because of the pen like the pandemic years, the lockdown years, there's a little bit of a gap where um, I'm curious what the the sort of core 16 to 23 age you know group um, is, or at least the core as far as being vocal and, and loud, um, like what they're into, what they want, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Yeah. It, well, as and I said, even you're... if it was like three years, like I, or two and a half, um, I'm, I'm curious, you know, what, cause I, I feel like there's still an emergence to take place. I feel that uh, Anime North is huge and it will coast on, or not coast, it'll thrive on notoriety history, um, return visits, um, you know, all those kind of things. I think it is sort of these, these new um, spaces where let's see how much they grow. Let's see how much um, of an appetite there is for them. Mm. So this, it's here. And then um, still, I, the city's big enough. Yeah. The city's big enough. Okay. 
Well, the focus tonight, and we won't, and we were still hoping to, that Mo makes it because, <laughs> because you know, much of the focus is on live action this evening when it relates to the fandom, to the anime fandom. Obviously, that's going to lead to One Piece. So, you know, we're not, we're not hiding anything in that sense. Just we want Mo to see, to come on because I know he wants to talk a lot at length about One Piece as well. Uh, we'll get there. But I, but the thing is, I guess. I guess we're going to stall a little bit before getting there because, as I said, we want to talk about live actions in general also uh, a little bit more broadly as well. And there has been a couple headlines this week when it comes to the, comes to entertainment uh, related to li- live action entertainment related to video games and anime and et cetera and manga. So let's uh, so let's do a couple of headlines just quickly, and then we'll get into the One Piece thing because we we because even if Mo's not here, we 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 really can't put it up that much longer. <laughs> Pokemon. So earlier this uh, so when was this this week? Earlier this week, uh, there's going to be a Japanese drama based on Pokemon. Uh, drops first uh, first couple images, mainly a poster. Aya Hirano is going to be in this, but not as the main character, right? But uh, lots of different references, but it's set in our universe, right? It's not going to be, you know, a live action Pokemon, Pokemon story. It's more like about somebody who was influenced by Pokemon. So... Nanase Nishino, she'll be the star of this live action. She'll play a young woman who's trying to come to terms or just learning what what did Pokemon grow, uh, teach her as she's growing up now that she's a bit now that she's a young adult. That's basically the premise. Sounds like the basic premise of this live action to come. What did Pokemon do for her in her life? And there's plenty of references to Pokemon games. You know, in the in the names of various characters, and maybe what the and the purpose some of those characters serve. This is a, an interesting story. This this could be interesting. The real question is, will it ever show up here? Because you know, I feel like it would. Um, yeah, like this this premise is really interesting. I didn't know about the the references and names and everything. That almost, you know, and maybe. I'll- and I'm sorry, Amy, I forgot to, I will put, I'll, I'll slip in a link for everybody here, uh, for everybody in the chat here. Sorry, Amy. Oh yeah. Like it's, yeah, it's an interesting premise. Um, Pokemon has been going um, sort of uh, in this direction a little bit. They recently um, released a animated series uh, that is uh, also based in the real world um but a little bit more fanciful like there's little pokemon animations um you know in the story but about the trading card game um so you know there's a animated mini series about a you know child who starts going to pokemon tournaments gets better um you know has all these challenges um and you know they've had little like smaller things for their anniversaries and that in music videos and and stuff like that uh, and there's another Netflix, um, more in the world of Pokemon, um, Claymation series or stop motion coming out as well. But it is interesting to see um, the the company uh, going into 
um, you know, sort of these different directions here. Um, I'm not sure exactly how I feel about it completely. Um, I think it, sh it could be um, really powerful um, because presumably Pokemon, uh, the Pokemon company is behind it or you know, at least significantly at least behind it. off on it. Yeah. They would have at least needed some approval exactly. from them. Yeah. Like, we're not going to get, like, people complaining that the, the designs after the first 151 suck and, you know, things yeah. like that. Like, that would have been kind of real and, and interesting. And then you'd have people defending the new designs. And you could have, like, I don't know, like, I, I want, like, fun cameos, like, from people who are working in Pokemon, but a lot of them are shy, so I'm not going to you know, say they should definitely do that. Um, or like, you know, even voice actors, like have Matsumoto in there or something. Um, but, you know, this sounds more grounded. That's fine. I also feel that, like, I, I think it, pe mo a lot of people don't really understand how ubiquitous and important Pokemon has been for so many, for so many people. Like, this is you know, in some ways, like a great idea, like you could maybe do this for Star Wars. I mean, you could probably do this for any franchise. Um, but like, you know, how many, you know, other, you know, trans people do I know and seen comics of online who's, you know, selecting that female character in a Pokemon game is a significant moment for them. Um, how many people, you know, have stories about, um, someone stealing their Charizard at recess or something for the cards. Oh, um, boy. Like, you know, I remember Fair you know, looking for Pokemon toys, like, just while I'm on vacation in the United States. I remember going to see, you know, Pokemon the movie 2000 and, you know, my shy self, like, actually <clears throat> talking with, with other kids in the movie theater. And I was on vacation at the time. Like, I was in Myrtle Beach and I decided have to see the new Pokemon movie. It's out this week. Um, like there are, there's so many moments that anyone can take um, from this franchise and probably have. And, you know, compared to, you know, a lot of like kids franchises, I feel, you know, not that no one stays invested in, you know, their like, you know, Thundercats or Thomas the Tank Engine, like a lot of people do, but there are so many adult fans of Pokemon that like, I, I think that there's a lot of potential for a story like this. Maybe perhaps the personal feelings that came out as, oh, when the voice of, uh, her name uh, escapes me, the voice of Satoshi. Amatsumoto? When she, huh? Yeah. When, when, well, when Matsumoto Rika, when she sung, mm -hmm. sung uh, to be a master just before the uh, final, her final episodes as, as Satoshi came out. I think it's maybe that it could be that type of feeling when you, you know, that type of, we're talking along those type of feelings, I think, that people had. I am and maybe just trying to bottle it up for this. Sorry. No, no, no. Um, I am a little bit disappointed that any flashbacks will probably just be interior shots if there are any at all. Because like, I would have loved to see like 90s toy stores and video game stores and like those first Pokemon centers that existed, like if they could recreate them as sets. Probably not the budget for that, but I think that would be really, really cool. Um, but I hope there are little flashbacks. I mean, I think you can recreate a 90s Japanese apartment relatively easily, um, get some old Game Boys. Um, they're still around. Um, like I, I hope that that happens. 
Um, mm-hmm. But even if it's not, I think reflecting on, on you know, this franchise um, and how much, you know, the franchise was built on connection and trading and, you know, social interaction and like, oh, what's your favorite and, and all those kind of things. There's, there's a potential for a really sweet story here. And I think, especially from a Japanese lens, you know, I, I don't imagine they'll, they'll touch on Electric Soldier Porygon, but they will be, you know, avoiding the um, Western, oh, this is the wor- this is demonic, this is the witchcraft, the work of the devil. Um, you know, they'll probably be avoiding a, the more extreme gambling um, incidents um, that happened in, in the United States, Canada, and elsewhere. Um, so it, it should you know, by, by nature of being in, like based in Japan, be a little bit more wholesome um, or, you know, the, even if it's dramatic, like, you know, it'll probably be a, a positive, um, you know, or at least reflective story, which I think is, is you know, it's really cool. Like, I, I can't say I'm excited about it, but I am, you know, very, very curious. And if it is subtitled, I'll, I'll check it out. Kevin? I would be curious to check this out. It's, I don't know, it's it's a refreshing take on a franchise that I've grown up with since the age of, I don't know, eight, nine. So I'd be curious to see how they broach the subject. Like, I think, I don't know who's producing it because it's been a little while since I read the article itself, but like, I could see... I could see a decent amount of Pokemon fans at least giving it a look look see if it has English subtitles and is accessible to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm one. curious as to like how they'll like it makes me wonder how modern it's going to be. Like I know they say present day, but it makes me wonder what they'll do with it. I would have loved a period piece. I think I kind of made that clear, but like, yeah, you did. You did even six episodes, like in the nineties, that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. You know what, uh, what comes to mind? And then we, 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 will give Mo a little grief. What comes to mind to me is a story. Like when I look at this story or the potential, what I think the plot could be for this. Anybody seen the Netflix series, final fantasy dad of light, which was a Japanese series. I never watched it, but I remember you've brought this up in the past. In the past, yeah. And I just thought, that's the comparable I'm looking at. Basically, um, and Final Fantasy Dad of Light was about a a son who tries to reconnect to bond with his dad over playing an online Final Fantasy game. That's the basic plot. Apparently a true story. I, I I thought it was a nice little story. And that's what I'm thinking. And that's the quick comparable that I'm drawing here. And I'm curious too, because yeah, uh, it, it, it for many of us it was from a by it might it'll bring up our memories of this franchise from years past. Anyway, and let's and then at that point uh, we'll just now hey Mo you made it, you realize we were we were supposed to have to start it a little while ago right? Uh, I can see that it's been about half an hour. Sorry, well, I'm late. Well, you know, I'll I'll repeat what uh, what I always say about being late once in a while. Sometimes, if you're going to be late, be real late. Because if you're only a little late, people will get mad at you. Although that's still probably the case here. Wow, my. <laughs> <laughs> 
But if you're real late, people will be happy you just made it. So at worst, you're somewhere in between. At the very least, you're somewhere in between that. <laughs> no, I'm glad you made it, Mo. That, but but we decided to just uh, do the uh, in brief stuff first before we get to the before we get to the heart of the matter. And I know you would love to talk about One Piece, but always feel free to chime in, okay, Mo? Did I did I miss it? Did I miss the One Piece? No, we didn't talk to we didn't get to One Piece. We were waiting for you. Ah. We were waiting for you. Okay, <laughs> let let me go through the second uh, second one just quickly. Great teacher Onizuka. Now there's a title from my anime youth, or at least a. Uh, from bygone, from years past. Takeshi Sodomachi is going to reprise his role as Onizuka for a, another another uh, live action coming up, which should, uh, depending on, I'm trying to read this, slated for a release in, uh, in the eagerly anticipated spring of 2024. So GTO Revival will air next, uh, air next year. And it basically is set in the in present time. And it follows Onizuka, who is now in his 50s and trying to navigate the world as it's become now basically with the way social media is with the way the world has become and how does onizuka how does onizuka handle it today i'll uh, i'll catch the next one in 10 years <laughs> you know what the the uh, uh, first of all pl- uh, industry wise just uh, just to just as a quick um aside or just just a May, just to set this up, there was a live action a little more than uh, roughly ten years ago, and that starred. Uh, there was two seasons, I believe, and it starred an, uh, an actor singer by the name of Akira. And I know those were went over really well. Crunchyroll had them briefly. They're not there on the ser- on the streamer any further, but they went with the OG, the one who play who originally portrayed him in in a live action. And Suramachi returns to the role after playing him in the in the uh, late '90s. No word though uh, if his uh, if his wife Nanako Matsushima will appear in this. She played Futsuki in this live action, in the original live action, and that was and that live action happened before Matsushima herself started uh, gained a little bit more international notoriety as being the star of the ring. I do want to mention one thing, and I think maybe in some ways this is this this could work out in terms of when you look at uh, GTO's past DNA. Remember, if you remember ever reading the manga, if you ever ever re- remember reading the manga, you'll remember you'll know that one of the final uh, final plots of the manga covered what would happen uh, covered a plot where all the students were given PDAs, which sounded great and all. Which were becoming a thing at the time, but what would and they were connected on the internet, and kept people connected to school. But what would happen if gossip started to get out of hand on those things, and those were being drivers for such things? Now, I always made the argument in the past that GTO, in some ways, started to predict some of the things that would happen today. So the fact that well, that the basic plot of the basic premise of of Onizuka Revival or GTO Revival would be about how Onizuka would handle thing the way things have changed in today's time isn't as much of a stretch 
as you think, since in some ways that sort of was how the manga was. So uh, as somebody who was a fan of the anime, fan of the manga, a fan of the original live action, because I never saw GTO 2012 or GTO 2014. Oh, I hope this shows up. But, you know, just like a lot of things, I'll try not to hold my breath too much before turning as blue as my shirt. I won't ask any of you guys to chime in, but this is, I just thought this was a, it was really cool to hear this news. So, or do you want to say anything? And then, or do we just get right to it? Hey, yeah, uh, just real quick. What did I miss? Well, <laughs> uh, well, we talked a little bit more about Anime Toronto. You, I know you heard the episode, Mo. And then we just started going through some of this. So uh, that's that's as much as you missed. My, but I know my biggest takeaway from the episode was last week, dude. Coffee shops closing at five p.m. That's 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 weak shit. That's weak. well, yeah, and that comes back down to the whole. That comes back down, and that's a reference also to the vendors' room closing as early as they, it had well, a habit. That was was the that was what the founder was saying. Actually, that was a direct quote mm-hmm. from the founder. I just don't remember if he posted that on a Sunday or not, because if, if he did, then closing at five does make a bit of sense depending on where you are. Okay. But the, but the thing is that was the case also on Saturday too. So, so this week, one piece was renewed for a second season after some pretty good reviews or the one piece live action was renewed for a second season. I mean, that's the bottom line now. Pretty good reviews. And all of us have watched it to some degree. One episode, two episodes. I actually watched a second episode just before we uh, came on. Hey, right on. Yeah. Amy's watched it, watched the whole thing. Uh, You've watched it all through, right? Yep. And Mo has watched it how many times through? I mean, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good show, man. Everyone should watch it. (laughs) No, you, you, you broke your own promise. You said you only want to watch a few episodes, not watch want to watch the rest because you felt like it would ruin it for you. I, I will Something say like that. That first episode was very, very good. Uh, but then I was like shaking the rest of it, and then I watched, it and I was like, pretty good. <laughs> I will agree with um, the YouTuber Mother's Basement. Uh, he suggested that an ideal way to release it would be in two episode chunks, and I think that would be amazing. Like. Um, I wish there was more creativity with release schedule, like release schedules, because um, I I love that compromise. Adventure Time, um, Fiona and, and Cake have been doing two episode chunks, and I I've loved that. Like that's my apparently my new favored release schedule. But you know, it's not well, not Netflix's style. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. They they love they they uh, coined the idea of the binge, right? I mean. Coined it. I'm going to hope that for next season, it's twice as many episodes split up into like two parts and I do a two episode weekly release because the first four episodes of the season was like a really decent arc. And then you had the rest, which is, you know, pretty good too. But the first four were like really hooked. Oh, mm-hmm. there were supposed to be 10 episodes, not eight. Be nice to give them back those two episodes. Yeah. Well... And make it 12. I don't, I don't see them doing more than 10 otherwise. Each time? Yeah, that's just how they do it, because I don't know where I read this, but with the way how Netflix produces their shows, 
I think there's like some sort of like royalty thing if it goes beyond 30 episodes. I don't remember. I need to find this article some other time, but I know there's like a reason why like they only do seasons so long that way. Like if a show is not that successful, they'll just cut it so that they can save costs or save royalties or I don't, I don't know. I think, and I think also some of it, well, also that at least I have a, have some sort of conclusion, even if it's a cliffhanger, like Cowboy Bebop turned out to be. And yeah, I agree. I feel like give us two episode chunks. Like I know that, or I think I know that there are some Netflix shows that they have been doing this for actually, but there, yeah, it makes I think I would want them to do it for One Piece especially. It gives you the option of treating it like a new movie every week, or to spread it out and watch two hour-long shows every week. It's it's a nice compromise. Maybe the whole and then comes back to the whole water cooler culture, I guess. Yeah, as I've said in the past, that it's better to have these breaks in between, if only because you build up discourse amongst other people and fans like that's how that's how these shows grow organically mm-hmm. because then people are anticipating the next episode yeah well how do i uh, where do i want to continue this conversation then because i know all of us would have would have approached the series a little differently some uh, uh, most people would approach it as maybe already a One Piece fan, right? I'm not in that boat, but I uh, I, appro- I approach it as curiosity about maybe a live action ad- adaptation. But there's an added layer from my standpoint. I had to compare. It. I I was watching it, also comparing it to what happened with Cowboy Bebop, the live action of that a couple of years ago. Like the uh, so. We so I know most of you, uh, most uh, of you guys, and probably the general uh, po- the general fandom would have parsed it and picked it apart based on, you know, the comparisons with the anime and the manga. And but I'm picking it apart in terms of just the feel. Just how do I put this? The marketing, the overall feel. Do I come away cringing compared to what Cowboy Bebop was? And and of course, I'm also I'm also comparing it and maybe Cowboy and then another element to this was because I was familiar with Cow- Cowboy Bebop the anime as well. So maybe there so there isn't a chance to have a cringy moment because I'm not familiar with One Piece personally. After watching two episodes, I enjoyed it. But I don't have a reference. I don't personally have a reference point about, you know, having read the manga or having watched enough of the anime to even think about if I'm if there's something I should have cringed over as we saw it as we saw it play out, having seen it play out rec- uh, in a past past medium. So that's where I wa- I am on this. Uh, that that was the angle I started watching it. Um, what about you guys? Anybody want to take a guess as to how they were looking at it? Who's the biggest One Piece fan? Who would say they're the biggest One Piece fan here amongst the four of us? Kevin? I guess it's technically me (laughs) by default, but could you repeat that question again? Like, okay, how are you starting to approach it? Were you approaching it as somebody who 
Like I approached it as somebody who watched what happened with uh, with Cowboy Bebop a couple of years ago in the live action. But then again, it's also muddled by the fact I watched the anime. And then I have almost very little, very little um, memories of reading the, the One Piece manga, watching the anime. And, but you're a fan, so you, you come from that angle, though, Kevin. I guess right? so. Granted, I'm behind on the manga because I'm behind on all Weekly Shonen Jump titles now except for Chainsaw Man. But but how far behind are you? Not that far in that, like, I'm about a year behind now. Like, I'm in okay. the thick of the Wano the big Wano fight right now. Is that the one that was just animated and made a splash on Twitter? Yes. Okay. Or that's, I think that's still technically happening now in the anime, but the manga has concluded that arc now. Okay. But yeah, I approached it as a fan as well as a skeptic because it's hard not to be a skeptic for Western live action adaptations of anime and manga. Now, we had heard from Oda as well as the producers that, you know, they were big fans. Like, this is the producers that they were big fans of the show and that they were going to really promise to make sure that we're going to at least do this right or do this as well as we can. Obviously, you can't really take that to heart truly as a skeptic. And then you hear Oda making these quotes saying how like, yeah, this is my only chance to make this as accessible to the West as I can. And how I'm not going to let this come out until I'm satisfied with it. But you know what? They, you know, as of episode one, because I've only watched episode one, it seems like they have backed that up. And based on how it got renewed, I'm inclined to agree that, yes, this show is good. Holy shit, this show is actually good. Well, you, you, if for me, uh, the Oda, well, Oda speaking on it was always the, was always one of the more telling parts of the marketing for me, right? Remember, we, we when it came to Cowboy Bebop, Watanabe hardly spoke until after the fact. Exactly. But Oda had been speaking as this process had been going on and on and on. And then, yeah, go on. Sorry. And I was just thinking when, when he spoke, when, and remember one of the key videos was him, me, uh, one of the key videos was him meeting Inaki Godoy, the actor who plays Luffy. And he said, what took so long? And I know Godoy asked, what took so long for a live action? He just said, our tech, the techniques and the technology to pull it off the way I'd hope I, I would want it to just didn't exist in the past. It's there now. That was the starting point. I feel like if Oda said what he said and then the show was not good, then I could never believe another manga artist saying the same thing ever again. Because yeah. One Piece is one of the most popular manga in the world, one of the most popular franchises in the world at this point. 
Uh, it's gotten to the point where I even say that One Piece fans have become the new Dragon Ball fans in terms of being increasingly more obnoxious. They can't compete <laughs> against JoJo fans. I'm sorry. They have a legacy <laughs> that they need to maintain. Depends oh, on which okay. JoJo fan you talk to, but I digress. <laughs> I, 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 your point is well taken. <laughs> and speaking of JoJo, that's I really didn't like how it aired on Netflix instead because, of course, I would have wanted more discourse during Stone Ocean when you have Jolene as the main JoJo protagonist. But in any case, mm-hmm. well, and it's yeah, I feel like. Yeah, I'm just very thankful that this is panning out so far. And granted, do I think they will ever fully adapt it? I don't. I would say if if they can adapt up to the end of Water 7, I will be happy. But my secret hope is they actually adapt it up to the Paramount War, which is, uh, spoiler alert pre-time skip cool up to water seven would be four seasons you think i think so yeah i feel like sky pa would need to be one arc and mm-hmm. then yes water seven plus and its lobby would be one arc as well i think a season two in theory could take us through alabasta if okay. they, if they break it up into two parts you think so? I mean, Netflix, like, Netflix has a habit of doing that, right? Releasing, like, look, look at Stranger Things, right? Mm-hmm. Part one, part two. Well, that's Stranger Things, though. They're just trying to milk that for all it's worth right now. <laughs> hey, who says they can't do that? Yeah, but you know, um, it's a cash cow. That's a that's a big thing for them. That's a that's another big thing for Netflix. I'll avoid. I'll, don't worry, I'll avoid the Wu Tang line this time around. Okay. Happy? Thank you. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> Amy, Mo, reactions, uh, the angles you looked at it at as you were watching, and then just your general feelings about it. Mo, if you watched it three times. I mean, on and off, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's really good. I liked it, man. What can I say? I, I will say this. It is a type of show that after you see it once and you fully take it in, you can just watch that, you know, over and over and over again. Just have it playing. Netflix is this thing where you just turn it on and it just keeps on going. Well, this is the interesting part. Now, you, you hit on a point for me, though, because I watched the episode kind of uh, quasi-passively, too, because here I was getting, uh, getting back from work, having something to eat after work, having it on in the background. How un-anime, how un-anime Western, uh, non-Japanese, un-anime fan of me to watch something passive, passively, as if it was a normal thing I would watch on television, right? I always made this argument that fandom acts, uh, that our fandom acts the way it does about, so passionate about anime because it pays attention, it watches it as if there's almost undivided attention, as if they're watching a movie, probably because of that we have to read the subtitles a lot of the time. At least, uh, at least of my generation of fandom. So we get that way. But here I am watching, uh, having consumed it like I would any other regular television show in the background. 
and I enjoyed it. Sorry, tangent off. A Amy. Oh, is is Mo finished? Well, no, no. Hmm? What, what, sorry, oh, what were you talking about? Well, I mean, just you know, just to have it on to oh, watch it. In yeah, the you know what would have been great after seeing it the first time. I was like planning on watching it again with like the Japanese dub a bit. No, no, no. Oh, God. Here's another thought. Yeah. And one key piece of the marketing, and this was even in the Cowboy Bebop marketing, they announced that the original Japanese voices for the same for their anime counterparts would be involved in, in the Japanese, in what would, would, I guess, be termed the Japanese dub, the Japanese audio version. What the hell? It's much like Cowboy Bebop. At least in North America, at least in Canada, I don't know about the states. Probably the st case in the states. Somebody correct me. Somebody prove me wrong. You don't have the Japanese language track. You do not have a Japanese audio track for this. And this was a key part of the marketing. A video. A video of Godoy meeting Mayumi Tana Tanaka. The Japanese voice behind Luffy. They made such a big deal about that as they announced that the original Japanese cast would be in it. As they announced that uh, that Godoy would be in the Spanish language version of it. Oh, that's cool. I think it's available in Spanish, by the way. Uh, it I mean, is. It is. And he is. Uh, he yes. is uh, pretty good. Yeah. But there's a what the hell moment in all of this. This was a key part of the marketing. And they couldn't it couldn't be included. I don't know why. Is there a rights thing? I don't know. Also, Taz Schuyler, who Sanji is also in the Spanish dub. Mm -hmm. We can go, yeah, oh, we can go on and on. So, like they they really try they they really tried to pump out the goodwill as it to me as if to say, okay, we understand what the mistakes were with Cowboy Bebop in its presentation. Anyway, as I said, that's why I'm approaching it with the Cowboy Bebop comparison. So, but that was a, what the hell, that was a, there was a combination of what the hell and, oh, wait, this happened before when that, when I realized the, ja the, uh, the Japanese audio was not on that. So anything else, Mo? Or that, uh, can't, that popped out to you? I mean, I will say I did enjoy the pacing of at least the first four episodes. Uh, obviously you've seen the first episode. It, it, it feels like. It was built in a way where if you just saw that episode, you know, you can go on with the rest of your life, never having to watch anymore. Just be like, that was nice. And just continue on. But if you continue on to episode two, it kind of forced you to three and four, which are like a two part arc. And then at that point, you're halfway there. You know, you got to watch the rest of it. And that ending, man. Oof, really good. Amy. Um, before I go, um, Mo, how much One Piece had you watched or read before you watched um, the live action? Uh, about 20 episodes 20 years ago. Okay. So I'm probably about the same I'm, as I kind of expected, like in between. Um, so I was reading the big, um, chunky, floppy Shonen Jump magazines uh, when it came out, I guess, in 2001 or two. Um, I adored it. Like, that's what introduced me to Shaman King. Um, it exposed me to so many different uh, manga, including One Piece. 
And um, I distinctly remember that I had like one um, sleepover or something. And my friend, you know, was reading one piece and, you know, he was like, oh, yeah, I really like this one piece thing. And I'm like, no, Shaman King is the best thing. Um, didn't really pan out for for my side. Um, but I think as far as the manga and the anime, um, or at least the manga, um, I think I might have read about up to where the anime finishes. Because um, I don't remember actually ever um, meeting Chopper. Uh, and I think that comes a couple episodes worth of live action after um, they ended. Um, or if I did, I just barely met Chopper and then stopped watching. Um, and then right before lockdown, um, some friends uh, semi-forced me to watch the Water 7 arc. <laughs> um, because they said it was the best arc in One Piece. And I Arguably enjoyed, one of the best arcs, yeah. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, I really um, I really do like Miko Robin as a character. She was introduced earlier, but um, Water 7 is kind of more when she gets integrated, I guess. Um, and Frankie's really fun, too. Um, I really <laughs> don't like Frankie's time skip design. Um, anyways, um, I'm a not a big fan artistically of most of the time skip designs. Anyways, uh, so I had a pretty weird exposure to One Piece. I was aware of most of the characters, if not all of the characters from this initial arc, I think except for maybe Luffy's grandpa. Um, spoilers, I guess, for Mike. Uh, <laughs> but, Don't worry. Don't okay. worry. Uh, so, yeah, I had a kind of interesting approach to this. I was, I really don't like one piece's art style um i think that there's like i love fantasy i love magic um i love wild and creative things for the most part one piece maybe goes too far for me a lot of the time um the snail phones freaked me out like um there's not a lot of like consistent logic about you know this world um in a lot of ways which i think frustrates me a little bit like you know i love gargoyles there's um western animated series but there's a set magic system shaman king it's very you know grounded there's mythologies and ghosts um etc my hero academia here are um you know quirks so there's like a metahuman thing some are wacky but we have a, a you know explanation as to why they're, you know, wacky, sort of. There's still a character who's a manga, um, like 2D manga head. There's a hier 2D hieroglyphic person. So, you know, I there are series that are wacky um, that I do like. One Piece always, like, various things turn me off of it um, to very, um, for various reasons. Um, I didn't really, and, you know, maybe as a kid, the character seemed older and I, I wasn't, you know, getting um, attached to them as much. Um, but for whatever reason, something always, um, you know, sort of turned me off of One Piece. I, I enjoyed it well enough, but I never saw the huge appeal. This live action series made me see the appeal. Um, I, I adored this series um, a lot. And I think having, weirdly, and I am like the biggest comics and animation girl, like proponent, like, you know, it's like, oh, animation and live action, there's so much freedom of expression, so much possibilities. Um, you can do so many things. Um, but for whatever reason, this live action One Piece, even with the snail phones, I think making them puppets, it was like, oh, cool. I like puppets. Oh, do I not? Oh, these snail phones are kind of neat. Still don't love them, but they're cool. 
Um, but like weirdly, the grounding of of being live action, like a lot of the scenes like resonated a lot more. Like the whole um like Nami betrayal arc, like that resonated with me a lot more in live action than it did in the comics or the anime. Um, the only thing um, from this first arc that I feel wasn't quite, I mean, there's a few things, but the main thing I feel that wasn't quite as well done um, was the introduce, introduction of Zoro. Um, I think I think speed running the little girl sort of aspect of it was a mistake um, because yeah, like that was such a heartfelt moment um, in the comic and got all dirty. Um, and, you know, in, in the anime as well, um, you know, Zoro, um, both in, in, I think, honestly, in all, in both, you know, the even the four kids um, dub, but the Funimation one as well, and the Japanese version at, you know, this era, I was watching, you know, all three. Um, like, it's such a great moment. And by truncating it so much, I think you lose a lot. But one of the biggest complaints that I've heard from One Piece fans um, of the anime is that Zoro is too hot. Um, and with this cooler version of Zoro, if you want to downplay his like weird, goofy eating a dirty rice ball thing as make it, you know, a quicker scene in a bar. Sure, it fits this like slightly less goofy Zoro. Um, so you know, even my biggest complaint is like, yeah, if you have to speed things up, I guess, fine. Um, Buggy is amazing. Um, completely stealing the show. Um, cr- yeah. Great. I've seen, of, I've seen a little bit of episode two, so I saw the introduction <laughs> yeah. to Buggy. Yeah. I didn't good. think uh, people would be thirst trapping over Buggy of all people, <laughs> but here we are. And, like, they introduce, I think, some of the sympathy for Buggy that you don't really get until later on. Like, I forget if in originally it was revealed that he was um, with Shanks. But, like, I think if they did, the way they, they introduce it here is, like, probably the same amount of lines. But it it, it resonated more for some reason. Um, really funny. Um, they kept him around a little bit longer as in a really fun, you know, role. Um, and... Like honestly, overall the casting was fantastic. Um, Usopp kind of reminds me of Mo a little bit um, <laughs> in his mannerisms. Um, like the 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 a lot of his line delivery is like, oh, that reminds me of Mo. Um, but oh like, can't wait to get to this part. <laughs> it's literally, it's literally the next episode, Mike. It's really. Good. <laughs> But I, I, I hope Mo, you, you see, dude. I hope Mo, you see that as a compliment. Oh no, I do, um, I do, I do. I'm the, I'm but, the great Captain Mo. What are you about? <laughs> um, <laughs> but like the casting, I feel like the casting for live action is flawless. Like I think it does help that Oda did mention that he intended his cast to be, um, you know, ethnically diverse. So I think that probably helps a little bit. But like all the characters, like I do think Luffy takes about an episode to work and like get used to things but every other character like they're maybe a little bit toned down they're approached a little bit different i think arlong is really pushing the the race um the racism angle a little bit more oh damn you mean uh you mean killmonger 
<laughs> yeah, there's like even like the music, uh, like they the, I mean, really brief side tangent. Great score, like fantastic. The new like the live action One Piece theme, um, the light motif for that, excellent. Luffy's light motif, amazing. Um, everything about the score is fantastic. The Arlong rap is weird. But, you know, it fits. It's a little bit weird again with the racism angle. Um, but what amazing casting. Like, I, I don't I didn't know that I needed Gordon Ramsay um Zeph in my life, but I I definitely did. Um it's like I don't know if he was intended to be a parody. Um and that's another thing. The Zeph flashback amazingly impactful in live action like that was heartbreaking like i had sort of remembered it but i had forgotten um i guess or even as i was remembering during that flashback scene i was like on like the edge of my couch um i can't think i have the the cast list up here i can't see a cast member who i didn't like kobe was like manga perfect casting um that's like almost like eerie um yeah um and that is morgan davies um but um zoro's um actor i was about to say voice actor um makenyu um really redeeming from saint seiya haven't seen it but i'm going to assume it's a redemption arc um i mean uh, for him (laughs) he did jojo's Oh, he did I haven't seen that either, but he that's my favorite. He, he, he's, he's in, you know, the uh, a property that probably we shouldn't talk too much about. So we'll, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. Inyaki is great. Like, you know, he's so lovable. You see him with Oda. You see him with um, the, the Japanese voice actor. Um, Nami uh, by Emily Rudd makes me care about Nami, which I never thought was possible um, from the original um manga i have seen some people say shanks was um i the quote i heard was done dirty i don't think he was the best of the cast um like i think if there's any weak link it might be shanks but i don't think he was awful hmm. um the person this is me not being familiar with that he's not every- he's not in the the um the cast list i have here but whoever was playing um uh, the Cato Ninetales, not Cato Ninetales, Kuro, is it? Um, the, yeah, it's Captain Kuro. Yeah. yeah. Again, like manga perfect casting. They changed his character a little bit um, from what I remember. Um, Mary, again, weirdly manga perfect casting. Um, yeah, like such, like, oh, I love this cast so much. Um, I like Elvita's casting. Oh, it's, I'm curious what they're doing with, not quite time skip, but yeah, that's like, what I'm wondering too. Is she going she will, to be recast? I guess she has to. She will show up in season two, so that means makes me wonder what's going to happen. Yeah, which character are we talking about again? Oh, so, Elvita. The first episode. So, spoiler the alert! Spoiler alert! Uh, she loses a lot of weight when she reappears. Hmm. She goes from um you know, kind of very actual piratey, um, you know, wide design, like kind of cartoony to more of a, you know, traditionally attractively drawn woman. Um, So, yeah, I mean, there's unfortunate implications there that I guess technically exist in the manga as well. 
Um, but they, I guess they kind of have to recast. Like, that's a little bit awkward. Hmm. Or they don't. Makes you wonder what's going to happen. You yeah, know? you know what? Because, like, yeah, they're they're leaving things out. Um, the the Don Krieg stuff, which was a whole mini arc in the in the anime, was a scene in the in the live action. So oh, they can, yeah, they can make changes, um, and they should. Um, I am very impressed. Like, I think we predicted pretty much this like months, if not years ago, Kevin. Um, I think we more or less predicted that they would end with Arlong and sure enough, they did. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like the speed maybe changed a little bit. Like, I don't think either of us were thinking about Don Krieg and I guess they also yep. didn't. Um, I forgot about him to be honest, <laughs> which kind of shows you like, oh, maybe this wasn't important enough. Um, so I'm really curious what they skip and what they speed through as we move forward they're being really smart with their um with their special effects like they didn't have a lion um for buggy um where he had a lion in the original and i'm wondering and i've heard that the budget of this series was like 17 million an episode or something which is like second most um, expensive after Stranger Things, um, although I think a bunch of Stranger Things at this point is probably casting um, or like actors fees. Um, but I am very curious how much of the budget goes into Chopper in season two. Yeah. Whether mm. whether they make him CG or they make the right choice and make him a puppet or make a weird choice and make him a costume. Um they can make him less animally, like we've seen a deer boy in um, Sweet Tooth. Um, like they have a lot of possible routes they can take Chopper. Um, and they in, need to cast a child actor as well. Oh yeah, but he's yeah, that's gonna be weird. Um, lots of great makeup for child actors, or at least the one in um, Doom Patrol. Um, again, not quite a full fluffy reindeer, but there are a lot of options they can take Chopper. If they don't do it as makeup, it's going to be expensive. Especially because uh, Chopper's not always little, so what are they going to do then? They would need a second actor if that's the case, if they're going to actually cast a child actor. Which I think having a puppet and then an actor would be cool. Um, I don't, yeah, again, I don't know if they're brave enough to do a puppet. Um, or if it's within the budget to do a puppet. I don't know how much, Mm. I don't know how expensive puppets are, to be honest. Um, I love the art of puppetry. I don't know how expensive it would be compared to like a CGI chopper. Mm. And I don't know how good a CGI chopper would be. Well, Mo, I know I I just see this in the stream, father and son casting. Yeah, I mean, cool. That would be cute. I hope I, I'm not sure about a little person. I'm mixed on that, but if it's mm. a good role, if they cast it well, like even if it's a younger little person, even because Chopper is a very youthful character. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, I, I wouldn't want an older person in there just because of you know his or her height. Yeah. Oh, by the way, okay. Since since we're thinking about uh, future casting, um, there was always the Jamie Lee Curtis angle. Oh yeah! Did you see the recent interview she did about that? No. How recent are we talking? I sent it in the chat. Or this oh. one. 
Oh, in the Discord? Okay, I'll, I'll have to take a look again. I, I really oh, yeah, appreciate... Yeah, I really appreciate that she is like, yeah, I'd love to play Robin, I'm too old. Oh, there's this character connected to my favorite character who my be- one of my friends plays. Uh, yeah, please, I would love to play that person. Like, it's it would be such a nice story. She's also, you know, a wonderful human, so I would love for that to happen. I don't know if Oda's going to let it uh, and i don't know if it's an important enough character that oda will care uh but yeah i mean could that be a breaking point breaking point in what way what? netflix really wants jamie lee curtis has agreed to have jamie lee curtis he's a big win to have her i don't think oda would care in that case if if netflix said can we do this again i think it's a minor enough character that I feel Oda would probably be cool with it. Cause you know, they said Oda signed off on the casting. He signed off on the straw hats casting. I don't think he had a huge play in, in, you know, a, a lot of the others. No, there's, he had a, it sounds like he signed off on a lot though. Right. So, I mean, which brings me to this whole thought about where, about Oda's role again, and maybe the idea of, of creators who created in one medium being heavily involved in adaptations and other other forms right i mean we i mean oda seemed like he was heavily uh, significantly involved and then remember it comes back down to other other like has me thinking about uh, about uh, fruits basket again too same same reason there and and maybe the idea that sometimes it's a chance for them to revisit stories they've told and maybe ask okay there's maybe now i do things uh, i do things slightly different and i i do sorry go ahead i do um recommend mother's basement sort of review on this but one thing that he mentions is that um it took watching um movies like i think shaolin soccer and kung fu hustle and things like that for oda to start to think like oh maybe maybe one piece can be live action. And then it took more years for the CG and the, the, you know, existence of, I think weird high budget experimental Netflix shows for him to, or shows in general um, for him to like sort of sign off on, on it existing. So I, I, you know, for all my disrespect for him, for, you know, supporting um, that other author, um, I have a lot of, you know, respect for him like as you know a creative in this aspect like there was some restraint um and you know curiosity and involvement like it's cool it's it's just so interesting you had to bring up steven uh steven chow and all of that it, i mean i i guess i can see it because like when you think of uh kung fu hustle and the shaolin soccer the campiness that those those two movies had okay Again, mind you, mind you, uh, mind you, I saw him for King, uh, like people of my era, uh, Neil, Neil, his old roommate, Simon and myself, we became first familiar with, uh, with Stephen Chow for another movie he did before all that called King of Comedy. And it was because of a poster of him and a, of him, of him and a crying dog or something like that. Just trust me on this one. So it was just so funny that you bring up Stephen Chow, that you made the comparable with Stephen Chow and and all of that. And I thought that was a really interesting though. So I, you know, I 
as I've I've mentioned and hopefully made clear, like I I love this live action. I think it might be my favorite live action adaption. Um, you know, Heresy, but it's currently my favorite you know version of One Piece. Um, it does make me curious to check out some of the other material. Um, I forgot to check the uh, or forgot to ask the comic book store today if they've had an increase in sales. But I did see someone in the store buy One Piece because they heard things about it recently. So cool, wouldn't it? Um, wouldn't it? But I do want to unfortunately be cynical in one way, and that is, I think season two was going to happen unless this tanked completely because judging from the filming quality of that season two announcement video and the fact that they sent Oda a Muppet snail or they at least filmed a facsimile of his room with this Muppet snail you know dialogue thing like that was a scripted scene like it was an announcement but it was a scripted and it's what been what like two weeks since one piece aired like yeah i think i think season two was like unless it completely bombed it It was was it was definitely happening i am i am more worried about season three and four um yeah i i was once i saw that i'm like oh they already planned for season two what 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 do you mean renew (laughs) oh sure thank you I mean, it builds hype. It gives it gives people like, oh, thank you, Netflix, for your gracious offering of another season. We shall now watch Stranger, Stranger Things more. Yeah, kind of like holding holding back, right? Kind of like, uh, I think I know where you're going with that. Okay, yeah, so I'm I'm cynical there, but like, I I hope, kind of like, and you know, Kevin mentioned, like, I hope it goes to Water Seven because. I'd like them to get, you know, most of of the crew in. I guess they wouldn't get Brooke and Fishman and whoever else I might be missing. But like, you know, I, I feel getting getting up to sort of Robin and Frankie um, would be cool. And, you know, Frankie's supposed to be, I think, American. So having a huge American stereotype um, on set would be fun. Um, and I think, you know, because Water 7 is so, you know, you know, beloved by a lot of fans, I think that's a good way to like, you know, our cast hasn't aged out of the roles. We've um, not, I mean, they're all adults, but you know, um, we've covered the fan favorite final arc. Thank you. Um, We can retire into the sunset. Drop the mic. Thank you. Okay. I mean, I mean, all the possibilities, right? And yeah, it's just, you know, uh, here's, can I uh, play a, a couple thoughts though? Like just a, a couple of, of thoughts too? Or does somebody else want to bring up something else? Because once again, yeah, you t- you have your comparisons, might be the best at it. Uh, like some of them think it might be a more actually superior to the original, to the original um, source material in some ways, which is sometimes maybe that, in some ways that's sort of how, how, uh, people feel about the MCU. Maybe the movies have become, have supersede in its own way has superseded what they were based on. I wouldn't say superior, but I would say clearer. Okay. Certainly more accessible. Yep, for sure. Certainly yeah. more accessible, right? Uh, look, you know, I, yeah, I, I echo Amy's sentiments in that I'm more worried about a potential season three because 
you you never have the same amount of people stay on to a show in subsequent seasons. So I'm curious about whether or not they can maintain this uh, this level of quality, so to speak. And in that sense. And there's going to be more special effects that come into play as the series goes on because Chopper won't be the only animal slash humanoid person or creature in one piece because some of these devil fruits will make certain characters into more animal human hybrids you have more outrageous devil fruit powers that will be coming up soon enough as well uh and then you have giants which that shouldn't be too hard in theory it's been done before and just the special effects budget is going to go up. Plus and the strike that exists, right? Like, mm-hmm. And there's that, of, of course, as well. That's right. We still have the strike to get through. And yeah, I, I don't realistically expect it to get fully adapted. I don't think anyone is. But yeah, for me, I just want it to hit the paramount war and i think i'll be okay Hmm. okay well at least we know okay well the thing is when the splash is so good uh, sometimes the see the the next act or the encores might be uh, the tough parts but i will say i am optimistic and you know in the words of uh mike oldfield uh which whose song was sampled by a specific rapper uh can we get much higher I really think we can. <laughs> well, it, it, much higher. It, yeah. I, I was also thinking, you know, it kind of drove the curiosity about the uh, previously published works now, right? What is out there? Netflix is pushing, Netflix right now is pushing a little bit of the anime right now. Oh, yeah. 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 I, I do enjoy how they have collections now, bundles of stuff, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I mean, you know, considering season three and whatnot, I feel like if they implement some kind of awesome release schedule on season two, maybe stretch it out over the course of the year, you know, two separate showings week to week, build hype, get everyone excited. Season three and four would be easily cleared, you know, provided all everything else worked out. <laughs> okay, looking back, looking back. As we start to zoom out just a little bit, and I want to come back to the Cowboy Bebop live-action comparison before we end it off tonight. And I was just thinking, when I look back on Cowboy Bebop, was it always going to be doomed? As much as I wanted it to work out, was it always going to be doomed? Because, because Cowboy Bebop, its original base work was an anime. It was always a moving picture medium. It wasn't based off of a manga. One piece it can draw on the manga. Like it could say, it, 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 it can adapt itself from the comparison, can be more with the manga than with the anime. Or, you know, it, it just it just had a bunch of, it just has a, its original source material can be open to interpret uh, its own interpretations. Where, because that's where the anime came from and maybe to make the comparison with a live action and anime is sort of unfair but make a comparison between 
a live action and a manga, well, you can open that just a little bit. And and, sort of, and once again, the MCU type of uh, comparison as well, because there wasn't, while, the, while there might have been cartoons in the past of various Marvel works, it's still from the comics. And, and, and maybe DC too. This is sort of may, maybe the type of, uh, type of latitude, the type of, you know, the type of wiggle room One Piece has to work with. Is it fair to say that that it could because it because it it it's uh, its source material was more was a comic instead of an anime? I can it, I can see it, where you're coming from that, but I do feel that like the going from manga to anime is a much more one to one system, at least in the shonen world compared to a comic book from like DC or Marvel or even something like Scott Pilgrim um, going into, um, you know, animation or live action or, or whatever. Um, like, you know, with, if, with Scott Pilgrim, obviously it's a, you know, fairly significant adaptation. We'll see what the animated adaptation is like. Um, would be, here we go. Right. Yeah. But I think that that's more similar, weirdly, because if you look at a lot of of manga to anime, like a lot of scenes, they're one to one, like they're maybe slightly different angled or pulled back, you know, camera wise a little bit more pushed in. Um, But, you know, they're they're fairly similar um, to a large degree. So I'm not quite sure. And One Piece is such a frenetic, almost animated comic in general um, that like I'm not like sure if like this is a a good example of that but i do think that there is some um some interesting thoughts to your general perspective there of like is it um you know something that already has been um, adapted once or you know you have a source text versus you know something moving um that people will absolutely compare to um but I'm, i'm not sure to be honest I think it's just, or maybe this is just the strength of actually better writing. Yeah, I was going to say, I think Cowboy Bebop might have just been bad. Yeah. <laughs> Looking back, uh, it's okay to think, to, re, to, to revisit and maybe just think that. Yeah, and I, I enjoyed parts of it, but like it, it got boring to the point that like, because I, I was watching live action and animated at the same time, how kind of boring the live action got made me stop both of them. Um so, you know, and I think, yeah, like something being boring is almost worse than being like super bad. And I think Coward yep. Bebop was kind of that like just blah, like it was just kind of meh. Um, mm-hmm. and, and when I look back on it, it was a case of maybe me really, really, really pulling for it and wanting to like mm-hmm. it. So. Yeah, I watched a little bit more of Cowboy Bebop, um, you know, over the course of the last like few months and you know i tried i really did but it <laughs> it it really is just mediocre or as uh the young kids say nowadays it's mid <laughs> yeah okay but you know having said all of this okay so what were the great of the last generation what were the great pillars of of uh shonen jump naruto Leech, naruto Hunter Hunter. Peace. Hunter Hunter. Yu-Gi-Oh. Dragon Ball. Yeah. But okay, so, you know, 
having said all of this and just to finish this thought off and then I'll try and watch a little more and of course talk a little we'll talk a little more about a one piece again the one piece live action again a couple of years ago about 5 years ago I we mentioned bleach uh, a bleach live action movie which I found interesting to watch which I found watchable albeit in Japanese yeah it wasn't bad yeah it wasn't bad wasn't bad so far I've enjoyed uh, this uh, live action one piece can't wait to see if Naruto will ever, ever be attempted this way. I'm uh, I'm actually looking to see how they interpret uh, My Hero Academia Netflix. Okay, there you go. <laughs> so on that, I think one thing that makes One Piece work is that they've really, like from their sets to their costumes to their acting, it's very theatrical. Um, it's exaggerated almost as if they're playing to an audience, but like they don't break the fourth wall or anything. Um, like there, but it's not like it's exaggerated, but not campy. And I feel that that is exactly what one piece needed. I feel when you're adapting other things and I, again, I don't know if that was intentional. It might've just been a coincidence. Um, but I think when you're adapting other series, you need to figure out sort of you know, where you're adapting something that was a Japanese manga property, but every manga, especially like all of these unique properties, like they're all fantasy series. They're all, um, you know, earth, but slightly different. Like Naruto is an alternate earth, but it still has, you know, and the timeline's a little bit weird. Like they still use like projection film um, by the time or the, by boruto they they have you know computers but they still kind of live in this like almost feudal ninja society in other ways bleach is modern day but also they get stuck into fantasy death feudal japan and there's mexico hell and other things um so there's a little bit of surrealism there one piece is completely you know surreal magical world for you know, something like My Hero Academia, Naruto, you need to figure out, like, in my opinion, I'm not a super expert in this, um, but I think looking at what made something like One Piece successful um, and taking that theatrical route or what made Speed Racer successful and just going all out and and not looking at the source material setting, but the energy sort of of it and what kids felt when they were watching it. Um, I think you need sort of that intention with something like Naruto or My Hero Academia with these big casts. It's going to be really challenging. Um, so, yeah. And I, I think, you know, I've, I've pitched this. I think My Hero Academia should be an alternate story. Like I, if they are doing Hollywood, I don't think they should do Midoriya unless he's the only Japanese kid and he's doing a foreign exchange um, thing and they do a California or New York um, hero school. Um, Naruto would be challenging. I don't know if they're ever going to risk it. Like, oh, probably not. It's probably not. That's why I bring. That's why I brought it up. That kind of budget, like, wow. Um, yeah, you could do a lot of jutsu to try and emulate. Like, other than fire, which is in theory possible, but how are you going to do all those clones? And how are you going to do? like the wind and you could and maybe lightning. you could maybe do the first arc where everything's boring and no one's favorite characters show up um so if it's just the three in zabuza and haku like you could maybe 
do that within budget. The second you get to Gara Rockley type of stuff, like, eh, it's not yeah. happening. <laughs> yeah, that'd be tough. That would need a lot of money. But there you go. Just a thought, though. I thought it would be a hilarious thought. It's just finding... I know it's part of the ad. It's just part of the uh, give and take of the adaptation. But here's the here's the here's what you, here's the takeaway. The final takeaway I take from the One Piece, and I always made the joke about, well, you have to tinker with the formula, and ultimately you'll find a formula that works. Here's the here's the takeaway. There's formulas that work. So, you know. That I that's the thing about keeping a uh, wanting to keep an open mind whenever these uh, ad- adaptations happen. It's you know it, it's not it, it, it's how many people how many people <laughs> will still say now after all after a couple weeks that this is this is really 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 shitty. What did the people who wanted to dismiss it right away? What are they saying? I'm still not going to watch it. Okay, fine. But but people who have said, okay, this is pretty good. I like how this now makes five good Western live action anime adaptations now. The other four? Just to recap. <laughs> uh, so I would say Speed Racer. Definitely. And then Edge of Tomorrow, which is mm. also known as All You Need Is Kill in manga and novel form. Detective Pikachu and uh, Alita Battle Angel, otherwise oh, yeah. known as Battle Angel Alita or Gunnam. Oh boy, you know what? And you just reminded me of the uh, of the link that Mo put up a few weeks ago, right? Uh, the fourteen. Yeah, the fourteen. I mean, I gotta say, just me personally, it's a travesty that the uh, Netflix Death Note is number fourteen. That should be number two, right behind One Piece. <laughs> I, do, we'll put I, that, we'll, I do think that one piece does have an advantage of being perennial like it has a long lifespan and it's still going and it's still popular um i think the challenge is a lot of these other things as just as far as like being made and not be sent into development hell um or production hell um is that like i love my hero academia it is in the twilight years of its popularity um mm-hmm. and you know that's what happened to attack on titan right like they were saying oh yeah we're doing a live action attack on titan movie the only way that's happening in a western audience is if um you know it's it's a nostalgia thing in five or ten years because at least to me they lost a lot of credibility when the second they put out attack on titan final season part two part seven um you know you know section b onto whatever platform it's on um kodansha come on and you know i think with with all you need is kill and alita we have these more you know locked in time or one shot or you know um smaller scope projects that you can adapt easier because they're they're sealed in time or in a place um, or in a concept that you can that you can adapt freely whenever you want and it doesn't really matter about the popularity of of the the source material um i i don't know if we're going to get another one piece even something like great teacher onizuka um you know it's it's built into a history it's it's a, a you know more um, nostalgic time time 
time free of time restraints thing, um, which a lot of shonen series you're not going to get. Like yeah. people like Naruto, I don't know if um, if there'd be a huge appetite for for it. Fair enough. And yeah, I guess the nostalgia thing is it comes in does come into into play when I raved about the idea of seeing Saramachi play uh, Onizuka again. Naruto yeah. in ten years, I think, could do amazingly. Um, but well, you know, too. Naruto next year, I think, wouldn't do as well. So, so, and we are, and I guess what what will always benefit One Piece, and I think it's just part of your argument, is this is an older title. This is a title that's been around for more than 20 years, right? At least. Mm-hmm. And it's still culturally relevant. Because so it, I mean, it's, it has that sweet spot right now. Length because there is no... Like, there, there is no Bleach or Naruto for fans to compete with each other over. I guess you could say My Hero Academia, but... Like One Piece is like the Shonen Jump series now, and God knows what's going to replace it once it ends. In your theory, comes back to your theory. Like it could be over. Like it could be over for like you said. This it'll be a dangerous moment for uh, Shonen Jump. For yeah, for Weekly Shonen Jump and Shueisha. Yeah, when that happens, and Oda, I think Oda has the light at the end of, at the end of that tunnel. I think. I think that's a good thing for diversity, like um, just in, in works. Like, I think that, you know, what stopped My Hero Academia's rise to prominence was the fact that Demon Slayer, Jujutsu Kaisen, um, and Chainsaw Man came out. All four incredibly different, but still, you know, shown in adventure series attracting slightly different audiences. Um, kind of, you know, prevented, I think, any one of them from becoming the next Dragon Ball One Piece. Um, and I kind of like that better. Um, like, I, I, I mind. Okay. I mind at yeah. All. Yeah, I, I think that's, I think that's cool. Like, let's give people, um, slightly different variations on a theme instead of, you know, and I think it's credit to um, Toriyama and Oda that they were able to make something so widely and broadly appealing. Um, like that's amazing, but that's really tough. Um, and, you know, it's, it's tough to make something broadly and widely appealing that goes on for, for 10, 20 years. So if it doesn't happen again, that's a shame, but it doesn't mean the stop of creative and exciting things. It just means that, you know, we won't have another, you know, ex- like, you know, um, cultural touchstone moment. We won't have the huge discussions of, oh my gosh, they ruined Dragon Ball with the evolution movie, or they finally did a good adaptation with one piece. Like there might not be as huge, exciting moments like that, or, um, like watching, you know, the final episodes of Dragon Ball um, live on a giant jumbotron in Mexico City. Like we might not get that again, but mm. they'll still be creative, fun things. Just nothing as huge. Well, it's just who knows with the way with uh, with the way society, technology, the internet, and our the way our consumption has gone. 
it may not even come close because we go, everybody goes to a bunch of different places now, right? Anyway. Okay, I'll, I, as I said, I'll, I'll give a watch of, uh, of uh, as much as possible to, uh, to the rest of the One Piece live action. And hopefully, but uh, otherwise it's right now on the pile. The other stuff that I should be, that I said I'd be reaching, reading and watching in the very near future. Uh, it's becoming more distant now. Anyway, before we go tonight, let's also just quickly acknowledge what is still to come this week, uh, in the coming week, one more time. Makoto Yukimura. He's a, he, that, uh, his uh, events here in Toronto will happen at the end of the coming week on September 22nd, 23rd. Uh, Kevin and I are set to go along with James. Uh, he'll come out of the woodwork. Do you want to add anything else before that happens, Kevin? Or is there anything else to really say? So, uh, I don't know if this episode will come out before the event happens, but... Um, sure. Well. But to sum it up, uh, on Friday, September 22nd, it is a Japan Foundation event. And that event begins at 6. I believe there's a rush line in place for those who want to try and get in now because by now all the free uh, entry tickets have been claimed. And then there is a lottery process to determine who will receive an autograph from Yukimura Sensei. Presumably he would only be signing uh, copies of Vinland Saga or Planetess. Unless he has any doujinshi work that I'm not aware of. Or if maybe he allows Shikishi. Who knows? Uh, Saturday the 23rd, he would be doing a panel at the Toronto International Festival of Authors. I believe that panel is 3 p.m. Where, where is that again? Is it? Har- was it it's held at, I think, the Harborfront Center. It's okay. uh, some, some building on the Harborfront. I think it's the Harborfront Center. I guess I should just pull up this info now. Well, well, but, I know. I, I mean, I think the rubber duck is long gone by that point. Yes, uh, and that is uh, that is a paid event. So uh, to go into Tifa proper would cost you thirty nine ninety nine plus tax for the day, uh, and then you can get access to other panels and events within Tifa. Yukimura's panel itself, I believe, does not cost anything. And then you would need to have also signed up for that event and sign up for a chance to be eligible for an autograph as well. Hmm. Or to get, or I should say, to get something signed. Okay. Well. As I said, uh, this is coming up uh, in the coming week, and that's probably one of the key mo- uh, key moments on the uh, on the anime and manga calendar here in Toronto. Kevin, I'll see you at that, right? Yes. We'll see you on Friday. Yes, I have to be up in. Uh, I have to go north for a little bit during the morning, but then I'm going to try and get down as soon as possible. Well, I'm coming back after work anyway. Mo, well, Amy, I'll see us. I'll talk to you guys pretty soon. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. But uh, there's 
pretty much uh, as we uh, as we thought we would uh, you know as we re- that's the episode pretty much as we read it wrote it up tonight right mo but uh, hopefully uh, hopefully when it's all said and done we'll also get, be able to get uh, james's uh, thoughts as well but uh, in any event that's all we have for tonight Once again, if you want to contact us, animeroundtable at gmail.com, at animeroundtable, animeroundtable.com, twitch.tv slash animeroundtable, our YouTube channel. And, of course, if if you're hearing this as a podcast, because really, well, that's how you're hearing us anyway, please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, if possible, uh, because good reviews will always help us. Right, right Kevin? Yeah. The five-star review would be great, but any acknowledgement of your existence would also be great. Hello, I know you're there. I can see your breath. And uh, hey, we met Quota for the first time in a, in a, in a few, in, well, how long has it been? Long enough. Do the sound effects. Yeah. Well, uh, but the usual goal is to try and provide uh, one or two things a month because um, life does get in the way. We all have other things to do. That said, uh, give us a subscribe, like, or follow on any of the platforms we're on so you can be notified when something goes up. And also, if you have a Spotify account, please check out our Anime Roundtable playlist for a a list of music based on things we constantly mention on this show. The theme song is entitled Fubuki Snowstorm by Pico Misaki. You can check out more of her music at PicoInfinity.com or on Facebook at Pico Zen Music. You could have listened to any anime podcast in the world, but you decide to listen to this one, and we all appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Good night from Toronto. And join us again for another edition of the Anime Roundtable. <laughs>